This is Blake Seven in Character, the podcast that travels at Standard by Five to seek out elements from the classic TV show. We'll be taking a look at the one-off characters and occasionally the not-so-one-offs, who they are, what we think, the actor's backstory, and anything that occurs to us as we waffle away. So, stand by to teleport, but this is going to be spoiler-heavy, so it's advisable that you watch the episode first. Hello and welcome to episode 18, the first of two visits to the story killer. And uh, I have to say, this is one of my very, very favourites of the whole show. What about you, Ian? Yeah, I I hadn't watched this that often. It was never on my list of ones to watch. I sort of have a, a few episodes that I watch whenever I want to have my little Blake 7 fix. Um, but having watched it a couple of times for this podcast, it's gone straight up into my top three i would oh, say blimey, that's very fine um, yeah I, I i thoroughly enjoyed it i know we're only discussing part of it today but as a, the, the episode as a whole um you can tell what a great writer robert holmes is it mm. sparkles yeah it certainly does yeah I, I i would put it in my top five i don't know about top three i know what my top two are but i thought what we'll do later on um on this show is when we reach certain episodes i thought we would just uh take stock and we'll have a top 10 characters so far and stuff like that you see so we'll 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 talk about that nearer the time there okay but i know this story because this is one that i almost wore my uh cassette tape out listening to this one of of your uh, recorded ones oh it's one of my recorded and it's one of my favorite ones i used to listen i'm word perfect on this absolutely word perfect you know um and the sound effects you know when the guy's going dr belfryer dick dr belfryer dick you know (laughs) just all the sound effects and stuff like that i know all them off by heart as well so are you a joy to watch it with do you actually mouth the words before they uh my children they hate me. I do it. When, I, yeah. It's the same with Star Wars as well. You know, I, I, I can talk along with Han Solo. I can talk along with Luke Skywalker. You know? I used to I used to have a, well, I say a mate. He was actually a friend of my brother's. Um, I, I think I'm probably safe in naming him. Uh, he had uh, a famous name, Richard Chamberlain. Not the Richard Chamberlain, just a Richard Chamberlain. And um, he was very much into World War II films. So one day he said, because he knew I was into it as well, uh, he said, do you want to come over and watch a few classics, you know, like Where Eagles Dare, things like that. So yeah, brilliant, lovely, nice afternoon out. He was one of those people, he knew them off by heart, and he said the line just before, a fraction of a beat before they said it on screen. It was horrible. It was a, <laughs> just, you know, when you're, you're waiting for something to happen, it's like a ticking watch at two o'clock in the morning, and you're listening for it, and it's, it, oh, it, it, we almost started a world war just over that. But yeah, so I imagine you're a joy to sit with on this episode. Yeah, I think it's all right, you know, if that guy had done it maybe once or twice, but not through yeah. the whole. Yeah, no, this film. was this was yeah, this was. I mean, one one of my um, favorite films, wartime films, is Bridge Too Far. Um, mm-hmm. Love it. And we was watching that, and that's like that's a long film, three hours, and he memorized it, including the bloody German bits. <laughs> so, what? He's yeah. memorised these phonetically, yeah. 
It's like it's like my friend Matt, you know, Matt on Star Wars in character, you know, he yeah. knows all the Greedo lines off by heart. You know? really? <laughs> it's not English in the slightest, but yeah, he knows all the Greedo lines. <laughs> Why do we waste our time learning these things? Why didn't we just learn a different language? Oh, yeah, if we would, when <laughs> things would be there. a lot different, wouldn't you, it? Yeah. 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 What you were saying there, yeah, I mean, this is one of the uh, stories. I mean, many times now we've covered stories that's had two distinct parts to them. Yes. Um, you know, two plot lines that uh, we can cover separately with separate characters. And I think this is the quintessential one because we've got Avon and Villa in one part of the base dealing with their tale. And then Blake is also on the base dealing with his bit. And then they never meet. They're no, in the same place, un- but they never meet. to each other. Yeah. Uh, really good, though. But they do cross over. Mm. So, again, Robert Holmes, he's, he's such a, um, you know, a, a, a good, solid, old fashioned writer that even though these are two completely separate tales, he's crossed them over. So not just in, in sort of, uh, you know, paying lip service to it, what happens in one affects the other, yes. but not in a way that sort of interlinks them closely. You know, it, it works really well. Mm. Um, yeah. I, 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 I like Robert Holmes. I, I mean, he, anyone that's into Doctor Who knows that he's one of the most famous Doctor Who writers and he was a script editor from probably the best period mm. of sustained quality the show ever had. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he's he's a, a quality, quality wordsmith. Yeah, and I you mean, can I, see it in this. The, yeah, I, the characters I, 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 have never been better. Yeah. yeah, and also something, I mean, we're going to do another episode on Dr. Belfryer um yep. later on but but um i might as well say it now you know he yeah he he is a classic doctor who uh writer and the the segments of blake with dr belfryer blake could actually be the doctor that could be the tardis which comes yeah. across the wanderer spaceship and blake effectively is the doctor he goes down to the base and he offers advice and guidance doesn't he he even comes yeah, up with the the formula at the end that is a very doctor who trope yeah, you you could. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You could write out the Blake character, replace it with Doctor Who, Romano or someone. With, yeah, it would it would work work just as well. Mm. You know, all that could be canine. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's clever stuff. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that more. Doctor Belfry and everything. You know, when yeah. we come round to to that fella today, we're talking about Tynus. So um, let's go. Um, it starts with a liberator in orbit around a planet and we go inside the teleport bay and you've got Avon doing the whole do you know where we're meant to be you know sort of thing to Callie to get her to show him that she knows what she's doing um, which is a bit condescending um, she's done it plenty yes. of times before yeah. and and we've got this I like this device this uh, tracer device thing this like glowing green grid with the painfully obvious like black felt tip that's been drawn underneath that the light then goes along and touches yeah it's um again the 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 script doesn't quite match the visuals does it because it's sort of they're making out this is this horribly technical thing and it's the equivalent of working an etch-a-sketch just yeah. get that dot where you want it it's like yeah i no never made that connection it is yeah. it's a it's a space etch-a-sketch isn't there you it? go yeah it's, it's yeah if uh if Terry had written this one, it'd have been used the space etch a sketch. Yeah, but yeah, it's and, um, it's not very technical, is it? No, and they've done what you've said before to make it more sci-fi. They put a, a sci-fi sound effect over the top of it. 
yeah well that's the classic isn't it make something beep <laughs> or, <Yeah>. or <laughs> make a noise yeah Space. yeah but she shows them that uh you know she knows what she's on about and we've got another one of these odd you know put downs oh, yeah. I, I um, actually wrote this down. I'm watching for him now. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, She's yeah, got another, this. Can we have yeah. a teleport without it? I don't know. That, I don't remember these ever happening. It's only now we've yeah. been doing this podcast that they, that, that they leap into the fore. Yeah. She's got this strange little smirk on her face. I'm guessing because she teleports them down before they've turned around in the actual teleport bay. They they face I, away I, from I, us. Yeah. I think she's just happy that she hasn't killed them. She's going, I don't know how to work this uh, this extra sketch. Yeah. <laughs> he, he got me to show it one time. That, that was luck. Yeah. I, it made me think, though, why do they always face forwards when they teleport down? Why do they turn to face the teleport control box? And why is it whenever they teleport down, they are always facing the, the right way that they're meant to be looking? They, they, they never teleport yeah. down the wrong way round. She's teleported them before they turned round, but when they land down on those mud flats, they are looking in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it dates back to Star Trek, doesn't it? They always used to do that in Star Trek, yeah. turn round, face the guy that's uh, teleporting you down or transporting you down in that case. And yeah, they would always, uh, always land very nicely. There is one episode, though, isn't it, where Villa lands with his foot in a puddle. I like that. Yeah. That, that should happen more often. Or land halfway up a, a hill and then fall down. Yeah. Or half in a tree and out of a tree. Yeah. I, I can't even step off an escalator without tripping myself up. So <laughs> I'd be no good with teleporting. I'll tell you what they've lost by this point is in season one, whenever they landed, they did that little... Little, little saggy knee aff- affair, you yeah. know, to yeah, yeah, you know, to show that they As if are down. jumped from the ship, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that doesn't happen here. As I say, they land on some mud flats and they head off towards the base, uh, which is a rather dodgy glass painting. It's, it's uh, not a good one this time. I'd not... rather had a nice little model or something. Yeah, I don't mind the dome. It's it's the uh, girder work, which is yeah. jet black. I mean, it's it's off in the distance, so. The, the the dome has like you know a fuzziness to it to suggest distance but then you've got these solid black line girder things um on the top yeah it it uh doesn't really work i'll say i mean it, it it does the job as far as it you know you think oh it's a place but it's not you, at no point are you convinced that's real no no and you've got a fuzziness at the bottom which is the the, the blend in between, you know, the glass plate uh, painting and uh, the live action. And, and you can see, you know, Paul Darrow and Michael Keating actually walking through it. I don't know if that's meant to be fog, if they've blurred it like that, because that's meant to be some sort of a mist or I a think, fog or something. Yeah, that's that's the idea I got, that they tried to, to make it misty, perhaps to disguise it. But it just it made it look worse. Mm, yeah, in fact, it, on, my, uh, on my notes, I'm just looking, I've put terrible painting. Yeah, I've got a Sums very nice photo that I, uh, will be on the Facebook page of, you know, the painting actually in situ um, standing on these mudflats. So uh, yeah. I'll be putting that up. OK, um, Callie reports to Blake that they're down and safe. And as I say, we're going to totally skip what happens with the discovery of the craft and anything to do with Blake uh, for the rest of this uh, episode. OK, yeah, um, but then we get to the base. 
and when we next go down the planet, we're at the base, and it's a seventies power station. Um, yeah, I, again, I'd written in my notes, old factory. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what it looks like. Yeah, it looks. Like I've worked in places like that. Yeah, and and I tell you what, it was jarring, more jarring to me than the yeah. uh, the the glass painting is the very seventies security cameras uh, that they show us. Um, couldn't they put a bit of like silver cardboard over them or something just to change them slightly because they are just bog standard 70s cameras that's not futuristic at all no i doubt that was futuristic even then i reckon people would have gone oh that's that's the one we've got at work mm, mm. but they find a pipe and uh, avon whips yeah. out the shep scope as we now call it yep um and and we go inside um and we get our first look at these shiny brown plastic outfits. Now, I'm very interested to hear what is your opinion on these brown well, plastic I, I, things? I, I can do no but I might, I might as well just read my notes uh, rather than discuss this because it, it seems more rapid. My notes, I've just written down awful capes. Um, they're terrible. They're, I can see sort of the idea they wanted to make them a bit different. But obviously someone's gone out and they've bought that... Uh, sort of uh, material-coated-backed uh, PVC, really horrible. I don't know whether people remember it. There used to be coats made of that in the 70s, mm -hmm. and it was like almost a fake leather before they perfected it, before we had pleather and leatherette yeah. and that. You had this stuff. And I, I remember, uh, I'm sure we used to have like a settee coated in it that you used to stick to. I was going to say, no, furniture. Yeah, yes, you did. Yeah, in the summer, yeah, you would, yeah, you would yeah. stick and squelch. Horrible. Yes, yeah. yeah. And yeah, cushions were made out of this stuff as well, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, the way horrible. this moves, I'd say it probably is upholstery level stuff. It's not it's not stuff designed to be worn because it's, it got, it's got no give in it. Yeah. It doesn't move, does it? it uh, you, no. you know, they quite obviously are you know creaking as they do anything um and it is a puzzler i mean this is this is a federation base i mean shortly we're going to see regular federation guards outside but inside all the all the designs of all the costumes are nothing like anything we ever have seen before or will see after to do with the federation and yet this is a federation base part, yeah part of me likes that i quite like the idea that that these are different planets, so they have different dress, different things. But you're, you're right, they do make such a play that, I mean, it becomes a big plot point later on, that it's a Federation base and a Federation personnel. So do you think that, like, if ever they have conferences for the Federation scientists, they sneer at each other depending on what they're wearing? It's like, oh, look at them, they're... They're from Alpha Prime. Look, yeah. they're, they're wearing their porcupine-shaped hats. Yeah, it, it's strange. I... I wonder. Are you, I don't know whether in your uh, behind the scenes you uh, know who designed these clothes. I do indeed. Shall I say do it you? now? Go on, um, go on. Just in case it, I, I say something horrible. No, it's June Hudson. Okay, oh, it's right. June Hudson who come up with I'm these. Surprised. Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of the info. I will talk about it more on behind the scenes. But yeah, yeah, she she she's on the season two DVD box set on the extras. Uh, there and yeah talking about her time on season two and she's quite proud of these <laughs> really yeah but she's also That's proud so. of the she's michelin men who who yeah she, she's yeah. proud of the michelin men which we'll be talking about on the Belfryer episode as well yeah i mean to be fair i i'm proud if i can go through the night without having to get up three times to have a wee so 
pride doesn't really mean a lot does it no um, not really weirdly this episode though, this this is the perfect almost top trumps of episodes isn't it because you see these capes and you go <laughs> what awful outfits oh they're going to be the worst outfits and then 10 minutes later you see another outfit <laughs> and you go oh oh this one tops that one oh they couldn't possibly get and then you see the michelin men you go okay trump that's it that's trumped everything that has yeah, but yeah, even it's... after the Michelin men, no, yeah, you, get you get the firefighters, firefighters at the end. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Every time so you think, just... oh, this is outrageous, they can't top this, they do. <laughs> yeah, it's the episode that keeps on giving. This planet Phosphorant is <laughs> quite a giver. Yes, yes. Do you think, All right. do you think that, that, you know, that painted on mist, do you think that the planet's always misty and a bit damp, and that's why they've got plastic clothes? Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just fumes of burning plastic because they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're rubbing so much they're giving off noxious fumes. And the noise, the noise they make. Again, yeah. no one's creeping up on anyone in this base. No, no, no. Maybe that's why there's no Federation guards alongside them because yeah, the amount of rustling would just be too loud, you know. You've can, got the bell staffs rustling, you've got all those yeah. creaking. Yeah. The amount, the amount of static this must generate. They're, <laughs> they're scientific experiments. They must be terrible. It's like, that's why, that's why it's an analog world. They can't have digital circuits because all the static created just instantly destroys them. They would fry them. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. you've got to have everything clockwork. There you go. Solve yeah. that one. Take yeah, that I mean, Tyner says later on it's a, it's a highly oxygen-rich atmosphere. So, yeah. Yeah, it could well yeah. be, couldn't it? Yes. Yeah. All right. It's well, talking about Tyne, yeah. <laughs> talking about Tynus, we we see him for the first time. We well, oh, we see it. This is brilliant. Yeah. This his is introduction. <laughs> he's coloring in. He's coloring in. I mean, first of all, yeah. you see the locusts. I mean, the first time we ever see him, he's out of focus. He's in the background, behind uh, a tank of uh, grasshoppers or locusts or whatever, and he's coloring in. We said uh, back in the Gunsar. Uh, episode about his embroidery there was no yeah. real need for that and there's no real need for him to be coloring in and he is coloring in isn't he it's brilliant i i love these sort of little things and i because if you're a if you're a, any sort of job you do there's bits where you're on a little bit of downtime and you doodle or you do it or you you know i'm not saying you should color in when you're working but this is brilliant this is this humanizes the character so much that he's doing a bit of coloring in I, yeah, and exactly the same way with Gunsar, you know, yeah. it kind of endears you a little bit more to the person. Yeah, I got yeah. a bit of sympathy to him now. He's not that good at drawing. It was quite childlike, no. I thought, that locust. Yeah, and, he, is... and he, wasn't, he wasn't keeping to the lines either, was he? He so... wasn't keeping the lines, and that's clearly a, a, a felt-tip pen. It's not a space felt-tip yeah. pen. They, they haven't jazzed it up and painted it grey with red stripes on it like they do with the pliers or anything like that. Yeah, and what's nice as well, um, in, in the bit we're not discussing, when you see uh, um, Dr. Belfryer, he's got the same pens, mm. and it's like, oh, so they're coming from the stationery cupboard. I like that. I don't like too many <laughs> different pens. That would upset me. Yeah. I like my stationery to be, uh, you know, to be consistent in an episode. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, one, one of his colleagues comes in um, and uh, with a headband on, right? Yes. Now, Tynus at this point isn't wearing a headband, but at some point, and I didn't double check what actual scene it happens, Tynus uh, later on in this story is wearing a gold headband. Why is he wearing a headband? 
I don't know. I wondered if uh, because these outfits are so hot, they had to wear like sweatbands. But they're not even that, are they? They're no. they're not doing anything. This is the planet of terrible fashions. <laughs> yeah. But that guy, the guy with a headband, he comes in and tells him that there's a there is indeed a ship up there. Have you checked with six and six? Yes, sir. There is something there. They're watching it, sir, but it won't come nearer than 200,000 miles. It will now take Dr. Belfer has sent out recovery team. It's only a piece of junk. It's too small to be anything important. Dr. Belfry hasn't much to do. He should take up a hobby. Make sure he gets ground transportation and course coordination, will you, Tim? Right, sir. That's all. What will Dr. Belfry do with it, sir? He'll bring it back to his laboratories and analyze it, then analyze what he's analyzed. I could never understand why a scientist of his eminence should choose to bury himself here. And while he's telling him all this, Tynus doesn't even bother looking up at him. He's still colouring in, isn't he? Well, you know, he's got his priorities. He um, he plays it quite nicely that he's just bored, isn't he, in his job? He is. He is bored, yeah. yes. Yeah. He, doesn't, he doesn't deal with uh, sort of bureaucracy well mm. and paperwork. Well, no. literally later on, his paperwork is the one that, what does him in, isn't it? But... Yes, yes, yes. We'll be talking about that. But um, meanwhile, Avon and Villa, they're inside the perimeter. And um, I, I, lo I love Paul Darrow's, uh, you know, they get to that corner and <laughs> there's a couple of Federation guys and he, and he moves back and he puts both arms up uh, in the air, doesn't he, to warn Villa. Um, yeah. Totally unnecessary, but uh, that, that's what's great about Avon. And then we get Pyramid running as they go yeah, across one that. Uh, pyramid. This is, one, I've actually yeah. made a note of this, that it's one-armed Pyramid running. So he's, you know, he's 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 uh, he can do it one arm, two armed. He's so versatile. He's a talented boy. Yes. He is. Yeah. Yeah. They but they they run into a lift and he tells Villa that this is where um, he'll be. This is where he'll be. How do you know? He's the base commander. This is the command center. It has a certain logic, wouldn't you say? Well, he might be on holiday. Um, to which uh, Villa questions it. And I, li I, li I like the um, he might be on holiday line. From yeah. Him. Yes. That would be good, actually. I'd, I'd like a program where the entire plot doesn't get off the ground because someone's gone on a, a you know a couple of days <laughs> jollies without telling oh, anyone. Oh, you just missed would, him. Yeah. 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 Oh, he's not here. No, he's gone. I think he's gone shopping. Yeah. <laughs> he's, in, he's in the toilet. Yeah. yeah. Never happens, does it? No, no, no. Um, so, yeah, they get out the lift and they, they find those lovely vinyl tops and they put them on. Um, they find Tynus's office and um, I like Tynus. Did you notice on Tynus's door, the font is very uh, sci-fi sci font. You can see it no, does I say Tynus, but yeah, it's like that Euro uh, Euro font. You know, they're like a very Jerry Anderson style font. It does say Tynus, but it's almost to the degree. You know, yeah. we've talked about it before. The um, the Doctor Who one, uh, the Invisible Enemy, where the yeah. writing is is in that style of font. Yeah, it's like that. But yeah, they arrive at that door, and Avon kicks in the door. Now, yeah, totally why? Unnecessary. Why? It's Avon, well, isn't it? He's, he's, it's, it's his idiom. 
But if there, he the, doesn't uh, know if there's yeah. any guards in there. If there were guards in there, you, yeah. suddenly you'd have a shootout. Yeah, what if someone had been stood there? Yeah. What if what if Tynan had been stood there and he kicks it and knocks him out? That's his plan up the spell. <laughs> you know what? Oh, Villa Avon, is Avon, rapidly Avon. becoming the, the most qualified and uh, sort of trustworthy person amongst this bunch, isn't it? That he doesn't he doesn't jump in, he doesn't bluster in, he's not instant to violence. Mm. I I'm I'm putting my money on Villa. I love Villa in this because like like yourself, I watched this episode twice. I watched it the first time. Yeah. Um, you know, hurriedly making notes, and uh, the second time watched it again to see if I had missed anything. And I invariably was watching Michael Keating, and Michael Keating during these exchanges that are coming up between Avon and Tynus, he either looks very bored when they're talking technical stuff, or he's got this like little frown on his face, this little <laughs> stern frown on the face. He's absolutely brilliant. I wasn't watching Avon yeah. and Tynus, I was just watching Villa. And I like the fact as well that he's intelligent in this one. Mm. He's not the comic relief. He gets some funny lines, but you can see that he's worked all this out. That, you know, not the actor, but Villa is working out, and he's the one that he almost propels this mm. storyline, doesn't he, through his actions. He, he's ahead of the game more so than Avon in this, I think. Oh, and yeah. I like that. I like, I like that Villa isn't just the bumbling comic relief that's going to do no. something wrong. Yeah, the bumbling coward. He's not that at yeah. all. You know, no, he, he's yeah, yeah, really you're right. clever, sharp in this. Yeah, he's the voice of reason. Um, yeah. he, he's actually making sense and, and being sensible. Um, but, yeah, no, they kick the door in. There's uh, um, Tynus saying, yeah, what do you men want? Um, we're going to pause for the clip for this bit, and it's yet another one. And usually it's involving Avon, um, where the clip is quite long because you know it's just so yeah, 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 so just good. good yeah so uh let's have that clip here what do you men want hello Tynus. kurt Avon. how the devil did you get here something called a teleport system it beats shuttles um, come into my quarters it's safer there did anyone see you? Well, if they did, they didn't look twice. Do you mind? No. We've just been through a fight. Huh? Are you sure no one saw you? Do you hear any alarms? Now that, by the way, is Villa. Yes, it's one of your colleagues from the Liberator. I see they're keeping you in touch. Well, amongst other things, Q-Base is also a radio link station. Fostron may be a hole in the middle of nowhere, but we still get Federation gossip. That's why we're here. I don't understand. What do you mean? Tynus, you really didn't think that I dropped in to talk over old times? No. Blake sent us. The Federation have started transmitting A-line messages using a new pulse code. We need to break that code. That's impossible. Not impossible, Tynus. Remember, we train together. That code is unbreakable without a TP crystal tuned into that pulse. Exactly. That's what we've come for. No, I can't do it. You can. And you will. It's more than my life's worth, even. We need that crystal, Tynus. You must have a spare. They always supply two. It's not that easy. I'm only the commander technician here. Federation security is in charge of all sensitive stores. I see. All right, the TP crystal is part of the A-line converter. Is that right? Yes. Then it will have to break down. Huh? You can arrange a little malfunction there. 
then apply for the replacement crystal and we'll take the old one. We don't mind second-hand goods, do we, Villa? No, we're not fussy. I don't think you know what you're asking. I know exactly what I'm asking. I want it. What's your answer? I have to think about it. I must go. As I say, the dialogue is fantastic. The lines are fantastic. I love Villa's, we've just been through a pipe. (laughs) Yeah. Not, hello, I'm Villa or anything. It's just, we've just been through a pipe. And I like the way that this exchange that's happening is basically just Avon and Villa washing their hands and then drying their hands. Yeah. It, well, I don't think we've ever seen this before, have we? Where they're, I mean, it's classic actory stuff, isn't it? Give someone, like, eating a bit of fruit or doing something yeah. normal and it enhances. And this is, yeah, this I really like this, that they're, like, the, fir- the first thing they're worried about is, oh, we got dirty hands, and then they wash it. And that's a great way to get exposition out rather than just, yeah. you know, standing there standing and Standing, staring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what I'm staring at at this moment is that revolving door that Tynus yeah. has got to go into Ivasip. Oh, my goodness. It's not practical, is it? It's not a practical oh. door, that. Oh, this is a 70s show. This is yeah. so a 70s show. And this is that, like a game show. You know when they used to have the revolving doors on game yeah. shows? Right? It's like Let's Generation see. Game or something yeah. like that. <laughs> and it's that chair. It's that orange chair in the yeah. shape of a human form. I mean, was yeah. that a thing? Is that real? I don't know. It, it probably was. It's the 70s, isn't it? Well, it's, it's bright orange. It's definitely 70s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do all the bases in the Federation have these? Not only the outfits, but is this what you... Is that Tynus's, like, leisure chair, or what? Does he sit well, in that and somebody gives I mean, him a might massage? Sleep. He might sleep in it, for all we know. The, the weird stuff that they sleep on in Blake 7. It, it might be like a vibrant chair. Oh, know, it might like be. A, yes, yes, yeah. But Tynus, he knows of the Liberator, and he knows of Villa, and Avon tells him that they need a... KP crystal. Here we go. Oh, Crystals blo- I, yet I, again. <laughs> I'd written down another bloody crystal. Yeah, we should I, have had a crystal watch. Yeah. Well, it would be tinging all the time, yes, wouldn't it? It It's. I never noticed this before. And whether we've just been unlucky and you've picked episodes where there are crystals, or is there a crystal in every episode? But this is Robert Holmes, though, isn't it? He most probably hasn't watched or read the scripts for the other ones. He might think he's the only body, the, the only person yeah. that's come up with a crystal idea. No one would but... ever think of anything this good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, again, I love all the exchange in this. I, um, you know, I like the way Avon just says, uh, "Oh, we don't mind secondhand goods," and Villa's like, "No, we're not fussy." You know, it, it, it's real yeah. conversation. It's real, it's real talk. Yeah. I love. Also, I love uh, Villa's. Um, uh, I said to myself, I bet Avon has a friend. I said to I someone do. once, I bet he had yeah. a friend. <laughs> yeah, just brilliant. And it's the sort of way that normal people would talk, isn't it? It's yeah. And Avon saying that, fact, and yeah. you were right. That must have been a novel yeah. experience for you. <laughs> yeah, and I love this because there's no there's no real animosity between Villa and Avon in this. It's friendly banter. Yes. You know, it's. I I think this is this is really really good writing for them, which again is is I wonder how much is Robert Holmes. I mean, he he was great with a one-liner in all his stuff, but I wonder how much is that and how much is the the actors leaping on this and portraying it in this way yeah. because it is such meaty good stuff. Um, but yeah, it you you can see. More so than in a lot of episodes and a lot of the, the, the Liberator crew, you can see why they're staying together, can't you, in this? That mm, yeah. 
they're, they're, they're bitchy towards each other in the way that mates are, but yeah. they obviously trust each other. They've got each other's back. Mm. But also, I, I think a lot of it is Robert Holmes, because Robert Holmes, you know, quite famously in Doctor Who, he, he very often yeah. had double acts, didn't he? Yeah. You know, and it was this same sort of thing as well. These two people who are very comfortable with each other. Yeah, that, you're, you're right, actually. I hadn't have thought of that. But yeah, Robert Holmes is renowned for his double acts. Uh, mm. Even in some of his lesser scripts, um, he had good double acts like uh, Glitz and Dibbo and, you know, in, in the, the Colin Baker ones. So, yeah, you're, you're right. So perhaps there is an element of that. that mm. Perhaps it's mm. just everything coming together on this one. Yeah. Yeah, Tynus, he goes off to arrange things, uh, but he slips his aide, the one with the headband, a message to be sent to Federation HQ um, and then tells Avon and Villa about how Blake has warned the base about contacting the derelict ship. Um, and Tynus asks how they didn't detect the Liberator. Um, and um, I love, again, um, Villa interjects. I mean, really, Avon was supposed to reply, but it's Villa who interjects and saying about anti-detection screen, one of Avon, Avon's gadgets, we're expecting it to break down any time. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, great, great, great lines from Villa, isn't it? It's uh, just quality. So you, I can see why you would listen to this one. This would be a brilliant one on uh, audio. All the home comforts? Leave that stuff alone. You live your way, I live mine. Hmm. Must be all the two days old. Nervous? Just careful. We just received this odd message. I think it's from your friends on the Liberator. Advise your recovery crew to proceed with utmost caution. Derelict spacecraft may contain hostile life. What does it mean? A few hours ago, our detectors picked up some space debris. We sent a ship to investigate. Well, I suppose it could be from Blake. He has these generous impulses. By the way, why don't our detectors pick up the Liberator? Anti-detection screen, one of Avon's gadgets. We're expecting it to break down any time. Villa says, you know, we're expecting it to break down at any time. And I guess that it did at some point because yeah. the, the only time I can remember it actually um, being mentioned or the last time I remember it being mentioned was in Star One when Blake says about, no, we've got the blind down. So, you know, the ship didn't detect the Liberator. That's, so it's working yeah, they, then. They say that in this episode as well. Blake says we've got the blind down. What a weird thing to call it. Yes. <laughs> we could, that, it, I, I imagine him going and he's got like a Venetian blind and he's just twisting it. We go, okay, they won't be able to look in the window now. <laughs> if yeah. they can't, if we can't see them, they can't see us. Hey. I'm yeah. thinking, I'm thinking it didn't work after that because, you know, in the battle of Star One, maybe the Liberator yeah. got blasted and that wasn't a part of the Liberator's uh, technology. Therefore, Zen couldn't repair it and Avon never got round to repairing it again. Yeah, or what is it a case that because the Liberator, <coughs> pardon me, the Liberator keeps repairing itself back to its original spec? Would it would it reject Avon's oh, changes and that. he would have to keep redoing it? Yeah, you know, otherwise the Liberator's be. going. I'm getting rid of that. I don't like what Avon's done there. Yeah. Did you notice when when Tynus is reading the uh, the message and then passes it to Avon and Avon reads it? It's not actually writing on that piece of paper. It seems to be no, coloured it's, it's, lines. Yeah, I think they've just got a, a, a wedge tip marker, a chisel tip mm. marker, and gone script, 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 script. <laughs> but, Maybe that's uh, maybe computer text or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It, 
I mean, it's not. A, I don't worry too much about it because you can work out ways that it could look like that from behind. You know, it's some sort of security thing, so you can't read through paper, but from the other side, you can see the letter. But yeah, we know that some some stagehand has yeah. just they've gone. We need we need a no. Hold on. Yeah, that's futuristic. Yes. But also at this point, Avon tells Villa that he and Tynus were in a scam together. Yeah. Is this the scam that actually got Avon caught and, yeah, you know, I, the whole I, thing I involving Anna they, Grant? Because he says uh, they, we were in the fraud together. Now, that's the only, the only one I can think of is that. Because at this point, we, we haven't quite got to the point where Avon's had a huge rebellious history before the first the second episode um that was his first he was a civilized man and he spotted a a loophole in the computer system where he could make a lot of money mm. so so i think yeah this is the he, he's in it's amazing how many people we meet that are in this fraud with yes <laughs> with avon it's, no it's wonder like it the battle wrong. of star one people yeah yeah, over time it grows and grows and grows. Yes. Yeah. No, I I think you're right. When he when he was captured, you know, and he's sentenced and and sent to Cygnus Alpha. Yes, I reckon they were questioning who else was on the on the job, and he did keep quiet about Tynus. So Tynus does owe Avon. That is true. Yeah, I do. I do love uh, Villa's line again, though. He says, "When Avon holds out the hand of friendship, watch his other hand. That's the one with the hammer. <laughs> yeah. Just cracking, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant." Tynus says the only chance they could have is <laughs> if there's a fire. And if he sets one, folk yeah. will go to their stations, leaving Avon to arrange a malfunction. And they go to inspect the room. And what you were saying earlier about, you know, these brown, shiny outfits are bad enough. What are they wearing? On, those goggles yeah. things they that they like wear. They look motocross type. They, I've, well, I don't know what the hell they are, but they're not. What are they meant to do in real life? Because we know they're wearing them to... I don't know why, because no one recognises these people. So I don't know no. why they're bothering wearing a disguise. I mean, no one recognises Blake. So <laughs> you know, they're going to go, oh, save on, even on Villa. Mm. Uh, but, so why are they wearing them? And B, what, what do they do in real life? Because they don't cover enough to be any sort of filter. Because there's just gaps all around it. So what is it doing? I think what it is, it's it's when you buy like replacement visor material for your safety helmet or whatever, it yeah. comes in, in a straight plastic thing like that. And you've got lugs either end that you put either side in the helmet roughly where your ears are. And then it bends round. And it looks like they are the, these flat things. And they've just stuck them onto something or other. You've got that perforated clear plastic mouthpiece as well i mean yeah. what are these for the guys are just operating computers it's the communications room okay well, it's got a forget. high oxygen content atmosphere but but... Don't, don't forget the computers on in blake seven we've ascertained a clockwork and if you've ever like worked with <laughs> clockwork occasionally those springs boing they come out oh. they'll take your eye out oh, so i think okay. as you're programming a computer in blake seven world you do need eye protection yes yes something that's occurred to me uh, watching this twice in uh, quite close together is something that's never occurred to me before watching it or indeed listening to it. Did you notice on that base there are no women? I, you know what? It never occurred to me, but you're right. Now, is that... Can we read into that that the Federation doesn't want to... to the Federation's sexist, doesn't want to employ women. They don't want to mix because they don't want people distracted. 
Or is it the people that made Blake Seven a sexist and didn't want to hire women? I don't know. I don't know. Because Jenna and Callie are barely in it either. Yeah, that's true. It's an all-male story. In the world of the Federation, though, no one bats an eyelid that Servalan is female. No one bats an eyelid that the the mutoids are female. No. So, yeah, you're right. That is weird. Did you notice also... um, that the desks were from Space 1999's main mission. I did mission. indeed. Yeah. I did indeed. I, as soon as I saw them, I said, I shouted out because me and Anne were watching it and I went, that's the Space 1999 <laughs> desk. And she wasn't impressed. My no. desk recognition skills were went unrewarded. Okay. All right. Um, the, the next bit is very daft. Avon sort of like saunters up to the front and he does, like, like does <laughs> this little smile at one of the workers. And yeah. I guess it's one of Tynus's, you know, felt tips. He accidentally knocks it off the desk, bends down to get it, and he does this really melodramatic, you know, peer into that uh, oh-so-very-lucky yeah. clear panel. It's a good job there's a clear panel there for him to take a good look, isn't it? Yeah, considering he didn't, he didn't know that clear panel would be there. But he might as well have just uh, started whistling and then singing as well, saying, <laughs> I'm not a saboteur, <laughs> I'm not going to... Well, don't watch me. It, it's so obvious. It, again, why... I know Tynus walks in and everyone stands up and he goes, don't worry, because he's in charge. But at that point, your average person is just going to go, oh, the boss is here with someone. They're not going to go, oh, that's weird. The boss let that man look into our clear panel. Yeah, it, it, it's it's just so badly done that the, that the way he walks up, smiles at the guy just puts his hand to the table, knocks the pen off, does a, all right, I'll, I'll get it, you know, bends down, yeah. and does that, that that very fast look in. It's just, oh, dear, this is a bit, hmm. Yeah, melodramatic. Isn't melodramatic, it? it is the word, yeah, yeah. All right, so that's that moment, but, uh, but then we've got to fast forward through an awful lot of Belfry a bit to where yeah. we're, we're back in Tynus's office, and Avon is doing calculations while Villa looks at the locusts. Give us a smile. Yes. Show us a leg. Two. I wonder if these make good pets. Villa. What? You're a fool. Nerves getting a little frayed? There are a quarter of a million volts running through that converter. I make one false move, I'll be so crisped up, what's left of me won't fit into a sandwich. I'm a vegetarian. Thanks for the offer, though. What did Callie say about Blake being here? Well, something to do with that derelict spacecraft. As long as he doesn't mess up our job, I don't care what he does. You don't have a lot of time for Blake, do you? I could never stand heroes. A quarter of a million volts and you're putting your hand in? Ah, but that is self-interest. We need that crystal. Blake takes risks to help other people. Sometimes people he doesn't even know. One day that great big bleeding heart of his will get us all killed. Unless somebody ditches him first. Yeah, Bill is bored, isn't he? I love his, give Doesn't us a smile, show us a leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. Avon says, uh, Villa, you're a fool. And, uh, um, you know, if I make a mistake, um, I'm going to be so burnt up, um, there won't be enough of uh, of me to put into a sandwich. Okay. And Villa says, yeah. I'm a vegetarian. Can I just confess that uh, at Small Space a couple of weeks ago, um, I, I, have I told you this? Yeah, you, you've what, mentioned it to me. Yeah, right? when I met Michael Keating and he said, uh, yeah, you know, he's got a bacon roll, and it's like, ha-ha, well, actually, 
<laughs> Villa does say in one in in one episode that he is a vegetarian. You know, <laughs> so yeah. I was quite ashamed of myself uh, for for doing it, but I had to. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd, I'd actually written in my notes, and this is before your story there that you told me about it, and I put Villa's a vegetarian question mark. So I'd obviously thought, is have we seen Villa eating meat before? I'm sure we possibly have. I, no, it just, he's just, he's just having a laugh. As, yeah. He's just having a laugh with Avon. That's all it is, you know. Um, but I, lo- I love this exchange between the two of them. You know, um, you know Avon says about, you know... Um, Blake considers himself a hero and Villa says you 40,000 volts and you're putting your arm in and Avon says well that's self-preservation Blake does this to help other people sometimes people he, he's yeah. never even met I love all this you know yeah Avon's very vitriolic towards Blake isn't he and when he's talking about this he yeah. really he can't he, he just can't understand why Blake is helping people that he doesn't know no, and also, you know, we were saying, you know, Villa here isn't the bumbling coward, and they are having a proper conversation when he says, you know, yeah. you don't have much time for Blake, do you? And and it's Villa who says, with a bit of a smirk on his face, yeah. unless somebody dumps him first. Now, is this the first? Is this Villa giving Avon the idea? Do you think? Well, because because like you said, in when we first meet Villa. He want he's talking about bumping Avon off, isn't he? He's yes. quite serious that we should get rid of Avon before he gets rid of us. And it, so I think there's a dark streak to Villa. He's mm. like we said before, he's survived some rough times. So he's he's not the namby pamby person he sort of portrays himself as. But yeah, I I think he's, which is weird because you you sort of get the feeling that that Villa puts his best bet on surviving on being blake's man mm. but in this he's definitely sort of he's setting he's sort of putting that idea with avon isn't he it's like yeah you do get the feeling he would switch to whoever yeah. he considers would be the safer option you know oh yeah stay I think with he's the a, he's a sens- yeah he's a sensible guy he'll he'll go where it it's best for him isn't it yeah yeah next time we see them tyna says that the quarantine uh of the base might help them um the charge detonates and off they go. And uh, Villa, though, says, why why risk it? Why not just take the crystal? And that's when yeah. Avon gets a bit curt with him. Avon! What? Why are we stringing along with Tynus? Look, we've come this far. Forget about setting up the malfunction. Grab the crystal and let's get back to the Liberator. Use your head. If we take the crystal now, how long do you think it'll take the Federation to figure out who's got it? Five seconds. They will merely issue a new pulse code and we'll be back where we started. Now get back to the door. I'm not entirely sure I, I go with... Because, they, they, again, this is very reminiscent of um, uh, the uh, Travis episode, isn't it, where... Oh um, yeah, when, when, Callie, yeah, yeah. when Callie gets captured, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where they say we've got to go and we've got to destroy it all because so, oh, perhaps he's right then, Avon, because someone like Travis would work it out and piece yeah, it together. Yeah, would assume that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the charges have gone off, and here we go, another outfit: the firefighters. God, that, <sighs> yeah, the worst, the worst of a, a quartet of terrible, terrible yeah. outfits. By, but by this time, you know, in the Belfryer part of the story, we've already had the Michelin men. Yeah. And on that documentary, June Hudson says, you know, um, uh, about the Michelin men. But unfortunately, she doesn't mention these. 
She doesn't mention these at all, what they're made out of or why they look like they do. They are bizarre, are they not? Yes, they're very, very strange. And in what way are they practical? Yeah. Yeah. None of this is practical, is it? That Michelin man, you know, to the suits to stop space contamination. That's they're not practical. No. I mean, you're going to knock something over wearing them, aren't you? You're going onto an alien ship. I know we'll cover it in the next episode or whatever. Um, but you're going onto a, an alien ship in a, an outfit that you can barely walk in. Mm. And th- this one, th- these guys are firefighters, and they've got a flange. What, why have you got a flange yeah. all the way around you? What use is a flange? If, if you stand next to each other side by side, you're just going to knock each other over. Perhaps they're for like beating the flanges out. Oh, it's if they just... like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If they if they do like, yeah, put their hands on their hips and and sway from side to side that actually yeah, if they do the time warp they're going to put out any fire <laughs> aren't they the draft alone is going to put That's stuff out i think you've nailed it ian i think you've nailed it um but anyway they they fix the unit they go back to tinus's office and villa finds the notepad tinus wrote his betrayal note on and mm. in a massive stretching it a bit of deduction manages to read it why does he this doesn't make any sense to me. He picks up a piece of paper. He, 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 he's, he's cleared up the, the charcoal debris, hasn't he? And he's shooting yeah. it away and then pauses and looks at the paper. And it's like, it's, but why? Yeah, it's pushing it a little bit. I quite liked it because they've, they've worked backwards, haven't they? They thought, we need a way for them to know that Tynus has betrayed them. Mm-hmm. And they've worked backwards to the point where, where Tynus is destroying the carbonised bomb bits yes. for no reason and they actually make villa questions why are you bothering oh just to be thorough i don't want anyone to find it blah blah, blah. but yeah i i do like i do like it but it does stretch credibility the other thing that annoys me is we know for a fact he's using felt pens and they generally unless unless he's pushing too hard which is something that annoys me in real life if someone's pushing too hard on those felt tips they're going to knack them for the next person, <laughs> aren't they? Someone comes along and the tips are all splayed. Yeah. That's the real injustice in this federation. <laughs> I never thought we'd be talking so much about felt tips when we well, started a, this episode today. It's an, interest, it's an interest in history, the history of the felt tip pen. <laughs> There's a phrase I've never heard anybody <laughs> say either. <laughs> but anyway, he reads it and he goes in and he tells Avon all about it. Avon, come here. What's the matter? That old friend of yours should go a long way in the service. The further the better. Listen to this. Servalan, Federation HQ, urgent. Liberator in orbit, Phosphorin. Detaining ten hours. Make speed. Tynus, Q-base. And I do like Avon's slow scrunching up of the note. I mean, yeah. Tynus's fate is sealed oh, there, is sealed. he not? <laughs> yeah. You, he's got no... There's no way he's talking his way out of this one, is there? No, Avon's he's, already killed him in his mind. He's a dead man walking. Yes, yep. yes, yeah. But that's when Tynus comes back, and uh, he finds out the extent of the plague from uh, Dr. Belfryer, and, you know, yep. he's quite indignant about this, and... Uh, you know, what are you doing about it? I wonder what plans he has for you. What? Tynus. He hopes to get a medal for catching us, but he won't want you picked up, not with what you've got on him. I think you're going to have an accident, Avon. We shall see who has the accident. A man who sketches insects must have an eye for detail. He's probably worked out a very ingenious solution. 
I've got one for each of you. Hydrolyzed protein. Thanks. I've got to put it in the oven first. Don't bother. Huh? Lost our appetite suddenly. It's all this hanging about. When do we get the crystal, Tynus? As soon as the fault in the A-line shows up, then I can send a security for replacement crystal. But it all takes time. Relax. You've nothing to worry about. And if you believe that, you believe anything. Plague? Yes, sir, it seems so. Men are falling like flies. The rest are cutting out, getting off the base. It's reached the security section. They're dying. Yeah, always someone else's problem, isn't it? Always yeah. someone else's problem to tidy up. He, he is very sure of himself, Tynus. He yeah. is, obviously thinks he's slumming it here at this, uh, at this station, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, again, really nice, nice acting. Because um, it's not the normal sort of uh, oily, horrible part that he uh that Ronald Lacey plays is it like in porridge and things like that so it's it's quite nuanced this one but he plays it really well that yeah this this is a man that's so bored in what he's doing and will betray anyone to get a bit closer to the action mm. you know yeah, to get a yeah. transfer we didn't we didn't really say but when Avon and Villa you know crash into his room he does seem quite genuinely initially quite pleased to see Avon and then immediately supplanted by oh did any, anybody see you come in so he's thinking about himself but no I think he does like Avon and, and he doesn't like being put in this position where he's got to risk everything you know yeah I mean he, he doesn't seem to enjoy his job does he but he's like one of those managers that constantly moans about their job but wants the the, the role of manager doesn't want to do anything that manager's got to do, but wants the role of manager because in their mind it get, you know gives them some sort of uh, uh, you know glamour. Yeah. So yeah, so I think when he when Avon bursts in, I think he gets a yeah. You're, I think you're right that he thinks oh it's Avon, exciting yeah. times, and then rapidly that oh hang on yeah <laughs> this yeah. this could go wrong for me type uh, thoughts enter his head yeah. But Villa, he's ready to leg it. Again, he is the voice of reason. It's like, yeah. we've got to pull out now, you know. But uh, it, it's Avon who does a very Blake thing and says, no, look, if, if we destroy it completely, if we destroy the communication thing completely, it will look like it's a result of the fire, you know. Um, and, yeah, yeah, Avon in this bit is Blake, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, it would be interesting to see the series of Blake seven had they just listened to Villa every week. Mm. I think they'd be on a beach somewhere having a lovely time, wouldn't they? That, that beach with Carol on that CGI, yeah, uh, CSO exactly, planet. Yeah. Yes, they would not yes. be on an unconvincing grassy knoll. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. But the other, yeah, the, the other thing that it doesn't quite hold up because, because in his original thing where he said that uh, if they discover that we've got it, they'll just change the frequency or the bit yeah. or whatever they're using to do it so why does he not think if the whole thing is destroyed they won't just go you know what let's go with that map now's two the time to do it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it doesn't quite fit i think they just needed so they needed them not to just bugger off and let no, it be no. did they well they do bugger off they bugger off yeah. to get the crystal and they do get the crystal it's a bloody great big crystal on a, yeah, it's a printed circuit board <laughs> yes yes meanwhile while they're doing that tinus comes back to his office, finds that they're not there, reaches into his drawer, and he pulls out his gun, um, yeah. which is a gun we haven't featured it on this show yet, but it's been seen on the TV show. Is in the it's the gun from Shadow, 
it's what uh, um, Largo's henchman has in uh-huh. Shadow. Yes, yeah, it's, it's been so it's reused. It's a popular for model this. of gun. Did you notice what it's made from? Uh, I didn't know. It's a Mauser. It looks like it's a toy oh, Mauser right. because, yeah, you can't cut up a, a a metal gun like that. But it looks like it's a toy Mauser yeah. that's had the front bit, you know, the block blocky bit in front of the trigger, um, you know, that's so, you know, iconic on Han Solo's blaster. That's been removed and it looks like there's an EMA hemisphere has been stuck on there. Yeah, um, could well because I don't know if you remember in the, the late 70s, early 80s, there was a, I can't remember what, it, it wasn't one of the big Japanese firms but there was a company that did very accurate moving mm. part models of, of yeah uh, i had handguns. them do you remember yeah uh, yeah i had a like a a, a model 1911 and uh, a couple of I had, I, had a, I had a luger oh you had the mouse so i i reckon it was probably that then because they were yeah. lovely to to cut up and work with and they, all the parts moved which was they they were brilliant they were model kits yeah. but it was like yeah yeah all spring loaded and everything yeah i yeah. cut mine up I, oh. I did a blake 7 i cut it up and converted it really? into uh into some god awful attempt at a science fiction gun yeah yeah i've tried looking on uh, ebay to find it i can't because I, I don't even know who made them but you i mean ebay doesn't allow you to uh, sell replica weaponry and that so it's hard to find but yeah I, they, they were brilliant stuff very they cheap were as well weren't they for what yeah, they were yeah they were it's, it's when you could get them in the toy shop you know with yeah. the other models yeah, yeah 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 um so yeah he goes off with his uh mauser uh gun and uh has them at gunpoint and again he, he seems quite sad that he's gonna have to kill avon i thought i'd find you here i got tired of waiting raise your hands carefully Come round here. So you're going to kill me? It's nothing personal. I shall try not to hold it against you. You know too much about me. I should have turned you in when I had the chance. I mean, he, yeah. I haven't said he, he knocks Villa out, doesn't he? When Villa's distracted by um, the guy in the headband, um, you know, writhing on the floor. Um, he knocks Villa out, goes in, and he seems yeah. quite sad that, you know, it, where it's come down to this, I've got to kill well, you, you're th- my friend. Yeah, I think they were friends, that's it, isn't it? It's when, when Villa was saying, oh, Avon had a friend. Avon doesn't disagree or, you know use a snide remark so i think they were actually friends so yeah i think there is tinus is is reluctant to kill avon avon at this point he's not reluctant at all is he's he's gonna kill him i mean what you're saying then um made me think we've mentioned this before on this show in that that's an area maybe for big finish to actually have you know avon and tinus when they were like could be like butch cassidy and the sundance kid kind of thing you know yeah it's part part of me thinks that would be great that they would do like the adventures of avon early life and then the other half knows that they would be just terribly big (laughs) adventures i don't i want to see them doing a little bit of fraud you know they're getting some money on expenses that they don't declare 
you or know, for a new cape, perhaps. Yeah, felt tip pen. Yeah, stealing stationery out of the stationery cupboard. <laughs> that's the adventures I want to see him on. No, I don't want to see no, him. No, 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 no. You have stuff. him at school. You have him at school. Yeah. This is where it all started. The idea was stealing, um, yeah, from the stationery cupboard, including yeah. felt tip pens. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he is going to shoot Avon. Avon's got his hands up and he is going to yeah. shoot him, but you, you've got Villa intervenes villa basically saves avon's life if if Villa yeah, didn't again, come in at this point yeah. yeah avon would be dead and yeah they have a tussle avon and his friend and uh he gets thrown into the workings of the uh of this uh machine and gets fried but off screen yeah which does show that perhaps those protective goggles and faceplates were needed maybe maybe mm. maybe he landed on his face you know, yeah. and if he hadn't been wearing the uh, face mask, if he had been wearing the face mask, he would have survived. So there's a warning to you. Perhaps that's what the crystals do. They they want they want these crystals because they're like the fuses for these computers. Ah, uh, so you without mean it would have them, you remove it? Yeah, yeah. It, it, they're dangerous without these crystals. Right, right, okay, all right, all right. So that's that. That's our character this week. Uh, yeah, well, one of. thing I, I would like to mention, I know it does come under the other, but when they go back to the Liberator, did you notice the London docked on it? What a glorious yeah. shot of the London docked to the Liberator. Yeah. This happened a few times throughout the show where that shot was used. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. It's, it, but, it, it's, it's not unique to this show. A UFO in places, yeah. there are shots of the UFOs, and yeah, you can see uh, other craft in the, uh, in the shot that you're not meant to see because it, 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 it's an old shot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. At least they didn't go to like the uh, Battlestar Galactica level of reusing special effects no. in the same scenes. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right. Behind the scenes, um, Phosphorin, this planet Phosphorin, uh, yes. was originally called Phosph- Phosphorus, as in Phosphorus, but with an F right. instead of PH. Okay. That's a bit too on the nose, isn't it, for a flammable planet? It is, it is, yes, yeah. And this story originally was set before Pressure Point, okay? And yeah. it was Gan operating the teleport originally at the beginning. That's, perhaps that's why Callie looks so smug. Mm. Oh, I've got, I've, got, I've got Gan's bit, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I survived Gan. Yeah, and um, when, um, you know in that tiff at the end between Avon and Blake and when Avon yeah. uh, Blake says he's going to put a plague warning out and yeah. Avon says uh, Servalan's on her way here. It, originally the script was Servalan and Travis are on their way here, uh-huh. you know, and that they would both be wiped out. Okay. Which again, yes. you do, uh, I side with let them land and get the disease. Hmm. It does. Yeah. Well, it would have prevented an awful lot of what happens. Yeah. Um, um, later on in this story, doesn't it? Yes. Um, and in the original script, Tynus, fearful of the plague, was in an anti-contamination suit, a sealed one. I hope that God doesn't mean it was the Michelin Man. Been. No, it I might have been a Michelin Man. <laughs> I'm hoping it was a fifth one. All the others as the worst costume ever. Right. Well, whatever he was wearing, Avon killed Tynus by shutting the air off. It was a sealed uh, uh, suit, and he he cut the air off, and basically Tynus suffocated, which I'm guessing Mm. would have been a long, drawn-out death for him. Yeah, also a bit nasty. Yeah, it is a bit nasty, yes. Um, Yeah, the the power station uh, for the exteriors, it it was a nuclear power station, Oldbury nuclear power station in Gloucestershire, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
what else have I got? Yeah, I've said about Gan operating the teleport. Yes. Yeah, June Hudson. Right. She said that the reason... <laughs> The reason for these brown plastic outfits was the look she was going for was sort of like the carapace of a beetle. Okay. Yeah. Why Federation staff would want to be dressed as beetles, I don't know. But maybe she had just read James and the Giant yeah. Peach or something. I don't know. Because um, you can you can do that sort of thing. Like, um, you know, the... Uh, I can never pronounce her name. Is it Mondo Sharians or whatever in Fifth Element? Who look mm. very beetle-like, and that sort of that works. But yeah. this doesn't. This doesn't. No. It's not so much beetles as bloody, I don't know, dung yeah. beetles, perhaps. The reason she used this material we were talking about is that she had rolls of the stuff <laughs> because it was very, very cheap. I'm I not like surprised. That. Nobody yeah. wants it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, no one wanted it. I, yeah, that, we've that got all this stuff. What are we going to do with it? The, yeah. What the. Uh, what what costume are you going to design for this June? Well, she says, looking over her shoulder, I think we should go with something that looks a bit like Beatles. Yeah, <laughs> she's got a shed full of this stuff. Yeah. yeah. On to our character, good old Ronald Lacey. Um, yeah. Who always seems to be cast as creeps. You mentioned briefly earlier. Yeah, um, he had a recurring role in Porridge, didn't he? He Where... did. He was the ultimate. He was a narc, nasty. He? Yeah, he was just, yeah. oh, you want... I Just watching him, you wanted to wash your hands, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, no, he was odious. That, 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 yeah, that's, that's the word for him, he was right, odious, yeah. yeah. And he was... Did you ever see Flesh and Blood, a Paul Verhoeven film with Rutger Hauer? Um, I It was about 85, yeah. something like that. It, it, it was set in medieval times, yeah. and the whole thing was, like, rather scuzzy and, uh, and nasty, and he was in that, and yes, he was nasty, yeah. and equally as nasty and scuzzy as everything else in it. My favourite role, if you're talking uh, nasty and scuzzy for Ronald Lacey, was the Bishop of Bath and Wells. Oh, in, the baby in Blackadder. Bishop of Bath and the Wells. The baby yeah. eating... <laughs> Bend over, Blackadder! <laughs> oh, he was brilliant in that. But again... Um... There's a, there's a lovely bit in that where they just Blackadder just discusses his job with him, isn't it? And it's yeah. so it's just purely business. But yeah, it, he's such a good actor. And of course, yeah. um, he was Tote, wasn't he? He was Tote. Yes. Raiders, yeah. Did you know Tote actually turned his career around? Um, um, by the the late seventies, uh, Ronald was a bit disappointed with the way his career was going, and he he began to consider quitting and starting a talent agency but Spielberg cast him as Tote and after you know the success of his character and the recognition he got from that that changed his mind and that's when he continued with his acting oh good because I mean again a really multi-leveled sort of character he plays he's not just the sneering uh German character I mean compare him to um the uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade lead German. Uh, oh, Vogel. There's yeah. a guy called Vogel in it. Yeah. yeah. And it completely different levels of. Uh, yeah. What, one's a pantomime and one you, is a serious acting job, no matter what the subject, like, you know, matter of the and film. Very memorable. I mean, he is very incredibly memorable. memorable. I mean, he's, yeah. uh, you know, his total screen time must be less than five minutes. But yeah, no, in Raiders Lost Ark, when he sits down and he, you've got that yeah. brilliant coat hanger scene where yeah, he gets these superb. things. And, yeah, and, and now, what are we going to talk about with that smile yeah. on his face? You know, yeah. he's brilliant. Shall we talk he, about even, Fraulein. Yeah, yeah, he's just even he's when so he's, good. 
even when he's trying to be nice, there's yep. there's this like menace to him. I always remember him in the very very first uh, episode of Randall and Hopkirk. Okay, um, yeah. he was a good guy in that. Um, he, he played this like hippie uh, who witnesses um, Marty Hopkirk. Uh, being murdered and he so he's got a pivotal role in it and he is a beatnik he's a hippie but there's just something i don't know he's a bit like donald pleasance isn't he you could never yeah. see them getting the uh the romantic roles yeah the, yeah you you could i mean there's no reason why he shouldn't but yeah you never they never got the lead romantic role or the the the, the roles like that it's weird as well that he's not imposing at all no. Is he? It's not, but he's yeah. He he makes such an impact again, like yeah. Donald Pleasance. Yeah. Donald Pleasance yeah. is usually the best thing in the best thing about what he's in, isn't he? That's right. And I think Ronald Lacey generally is as well. He's really good. Yeah, I mean, you know, he. We're going to talk about the tallies in a minute. His genre tally is really quite high, but it's very surprising yeah. that he never appeared in Doctor Who. Yeah, he was prolific in tons of stuff throughout the seventies. Um, I've got down here the things that he went up for in Doctor Who, but he never got. Okay, and there's a there's a few here. Uh, he was offered the role of Commander. I can never say Uvanov in Robots oh, right, of in Death. Robots of Death. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he was one of the first choices, uh, along with Ian Holm, to play Morgus in the Caves of Androzani. Okay. Yeah. And he was also considered for, is it Gavrock in Delta and the Bannerman, the uh, Don yeah. Henderson role? Yeah, which I, actually I could see he would have been much better than Don Henderson in yeah. that. Uh, it's strange, isn't it? That, yeah, um, so he went up for Yuvanov and Russell Hunter got it. And he's very similar in the roles that he played. Mm, mm. Russell Hunter always used to play the, the I mean, obviously his most famous was uh, playing Lonely, wasn't it? Yes. Um and the same sort of character. Oh, it's a shame. He would have been good in Doctor Who, I think. I was thinking about him. Oh, what would I like to see him in Doctor Who? And mm. I thought, I tell you what, um, I could see him totally. Instead of Terry Malloy playing the second version of Davros, have Ronald Lacey yeah. as that Davros. I think it would have been terrific. They could have had him as uh, young Davros before he ended up in the chair. Davros the early years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, all right then. Tallies then, genre tally, okay? Um, we keep saying every time, you know, that uh, we have a uh, an actor and it's like, um, can he be, uh, um, yeah. you, you know, supplanted? I don't think anyone's going to beat our top dog, but uh, back when we did Michael Shared, yeah. um, we thought, oh, I think we've got our winner. No, Michael Shared's been beaten again because uh, Ronald's got a genre tally of 25. Wow. All right. So, here we go. This is his genre tally. Uh, he was in The Fearless Vampire Killers. Right. Okay. Roman Polanski uh, film, yeah. Yeah, where he played the role of village idiot. <laughs> I, knew you would, I knew you would laugh. Oh, that makes me chuckle. Yeah, he was in two of, uh, uh, episodes of The Avengers. Uh, he was in The Joker and Legacy of Death. He was in Out of the Unknown. Um, as I say, he was in Randall and Hopkirk, the very first one. He was a voice in Tintin and the Temple of the Sun. Okay, mm. he was in Department S. He was in Cat Weasel, where I remember him in this, even though I haven't seen Cat Weasel for a very long time. He was, I, I think, he was a teddy boy, and he was called Tearful Ted. Okay. Yeah, he, he, he was. Uh, he used to. I seem to remember him as a teddy boy in something else. 
Yeah, he was. Yeah, mm. I, I can see him with sideburns. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was in Crucible of Terror. Okay. Um, and he had a re reoccurring role in Jason King, where he played a character by the name of Rayland. Okay. Yeah. yeah uh, Disciple, Disciple. Disciple of Death, he was in. Don't know what that is. Uh, Gawain and the Green Knight, where he played Oswald. He was in the final program. Uh, he was in the New Avengers, where he played Hong Kong Harry. <laughs> That's another good name, isn't it? It's another good one, isn't it? Yeah. He ain't so got far, hope Hong in life Kong with Harry, that name, has he? Yeah, Hong Kong Harry, Tearful Ted, and Village Idiot. They're the three that are standing yeah. out for me at the moment. Then he was in this, Blake Seven. Then he was in Raiders of the Lost Ark. The next one after that was when he played Tot. Um, in Yellowbeard, he played Man with Parrot. That's a terrible um, Yeah. Um, a film, and I always forget that he's in it until he appears, is Buckaroo Banzai, where he plays the president of uh, America, President w Widmark. God, That's yeah, him. you're right, yeah. Yeah. He was in Red Sonja, another terrible film. Yeah. He was in Sky Bandits. He was in the Ray Bradbury Theatre. And apparently he was in um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade as a Who Gestapo officer uncredited. Oh. I don't know where. I've got to look into this and find out just where in the film he is. Because well, we said that be about the, Michael Shared, didn't we? Yeah. Could, he could be one of the ones around Michael Shared. In my be. in my little imagination, I imagine them being next door neighbours, Michael Shared and uh, Ronald <laughs> Lacey, having adventures in their shed. Yeah, oh dear, oh dear. Yeah, no, he he could he he could be behind Hitler. He might have been yeah. playing Himmler or something like that. Well, I have to yeah. have a look and see if he's there. So yeah, genre tally of twenty five, and that gives him an Indiana Jones tally of two. Okay. Um, and before we finish, um another tally we've got our inappropriate put downs section and i'm figuring callie callie's grinning yeah. at the start here um takes the tally up to three occurrences now we've had avon we've had jenna and now we've got callie uh inappropriately smirking at the camera i wonder if we'll get like a, a bingo full house of all the crew at one point or another well i tell you what when i saw in the in the script that gan was supposed to operate the teleport mm. i was thinking did Gan ever operate the teleport? I, I, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have travelled on the, in the teleport if Gan was doing it. No offence to Gan. And do you re yeah. ever remember a time when Blake operated? The no, teleport? I, I, I was just thinking that when you said that. That no, I don't think we've ever seen Blake do it because we'll have to watch out for he it. Would, eh? Yeah, he would presumably think it was beneath him. He does like giving <laughs> orders, Blake, doesn't he? I've noticed he does. that. Yeah. He does like telling people what to do. Um, I mean, we've seen Avon doing it. We've seen Villa, we've seen Orlac. We've seen Jenna and we've seen Callie. Yeah. yeah. But I does Dana or, Ta or Tarrant do it? Dana, I'm sure, does it. Tarrant, I think, probably wouldn't. He wouldn't no. want to let on that he doesn't know how to do it. <laughs> would he? He would go, no. do, you, do you want to teleport him? I can, but no, I've... I've, I've no, I, I thought you was going to say, a bit like Blake, it's a bit beneath him to do that. Well, and I'm the hero, I, he, I should be going down. Yeah, I think he, well, that's the thing, he, he would have put himself to go down. But I think, I think Blake would have done it out of a, because Blake is a very snobby character. So I don't think Blake, Blake wouldn't think twice that it's beneath him. And he wouldn't think it's wrong. I think Tarrant wouldn't know how to do it, but would ne wouldn't want to let on no, that he didn't yeah, know how to do it. Yeah. Because with Tarrant, it's, 
appearance is everything, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. But if you think... questioned him, he'd go, "Of course I can do it." Oh, of course I can. I learned that in my space captain training. Captain thing. <laughs> day one. Yeah, Actually, yeah. day day one was setting your perm, and then day yes. two he uh, he legged it, didn't he? He goes, <laughs> I, know, "I know everything I need to know now." Uh, I'm off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, that's it. That's uh, with all the tallies done. That's the end of uh, today's episode. So thanks again, Ian. No, I enjoyed that one. I uh, it was a good episode. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to coming back to it because yes, yeah, definitely. yeah, the, a lot the, to the, say on the second part. So. The, the second part is is just as enjoyable. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, but that's going to be some way off. Um, is that coming a first up next... as well, where both parts have been just as good as each other? I haven't thought about that. Because you, you couldn't say one of them's an A plot and one of them's a B plot in this. They're both A's, aren't they? They're both quality. Well, the the thing is, no, no, we can't really say yet because we haven't returned to... Have we returned to an episode yet? I don't think we have. I don't think have we're we? not on... Well, yeah, we've done one... We've done... We've visited Project Avalon twice. Did we? Oh yeah, you know the mutoids yeah, and, and Avalon. And yes. Oh yes, yes. But no, not properly. You know, not no, like not um, power A&B play. Store, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've done you know the the Clegg part of that story, yeah. but we haven't done the uh, the Villa and Cali side of it. So you know, yeah. it's going to be inter- that's going to be interesting as well. Yeah. Although we don't score these. So no, 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 no. I'm not creating another tally. No. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So well, that's I mean, it then. You missed out on the crystal tally. So that. I mean... uh, yeah. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> that would be huge. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Now, join us next time, folks. Um, we're going to be taking a look at that charming individual from season three, Shrinker. So, uh, mm, yeah. Join us then. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Ian. No problem. Thank you very much. And and see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.